Mac Power Users episode 530, Working From Home. Hello and welcome back to Mac Power Users. My name is Stephen Hackett and I am joined as always by my friend and yours, Mr. David Sparks. Hey, Stephen. How are you today? Pretty good. Pretty good. We're just working from home, you know, doing the thing. I note that we're doing the show about working from home in episode 530 when most people go home. So what mm. does that mean? The stars aligned. Yeah, we planned that. Uh, Katie and I planned that in episode three. We said, we'll do the working from home one, but we have to wait until it's 530. <laughs> We're going to wait 10 and a half years. <laughs> what be a time. coincidence, huh? Yeah. Hey, we're going through some really terrible stuff right now, and I know some listeners, I've heard from some of you, and I know you're going through really terrible stuff right now, and we feel bad, and everybody feels kind of bad about this, but we don't want to make the show about that today. We just want to talk about working from home because a lot of people are doing it now that haven't already been doing it in the immediate past here. <laughs> sure. Suddenly it's a thing. And we want to take a Mac nerd working from home show. That's right. Yeah, just like everything else that we talk about, technology can make this easier, more efficient, less frustrating. And so we're going to kind of take our combined 10 years of experience. You know, we've both been working for home about five years, taking that experience and pouring it into this episode. We've also heard from a lot of listeners, uh, some folks that work in large companies that have never been required to work from home. And also heard from a remarkable number of teachers that are trying to plan online lesson plans. And we are going to, some of the content today is for you, uh, for you those have been writing us. We've done some research and got some ideas on how to get that, that work done as well. So we're going to try and take a nerd approach to working from home. But because I'm me, mm -hmm. we're going to start with the hippie stuff. That's right. <laughs> That's right. There's a whole episode of Focus that just released a few days ago on this very topic. So if you want like the full hour and a half on it, go there. But a couple things I think that stand out, and I know Steve and you've been working on this stuff too, is just uh, when you start suddenly uh, planting yourself in a different pot, whether you're just working from home or, or as a solo or for a big company or as a teacher, uh, I think one of the first things you need to pay attention to is routines when you make those switches. Yeah, I think that's huge. It's so easy to fall into summer break mode, as I like to call it, where, you know, you're sleeping late, you're you're showering at, at lunchtime, you do some stuff in the afternoon. And it's really important when you're at work to be at work, even if that's at home. So for me, it's having a start time every morning where I'm in the office, usually around nine o'clock every morning. Sometimes it's a little bit earlier, sometimes it's a little bit later, but I aim for nine every day. And that means that I've gotten up, I've showered, I've gotten the kids ready, I've had breakfast, I've done anything I need to do in the house, and I make that transition to work. And I have found that to be super useful, especially as someone who's not really a morning person. Like I, I sometimes struggle to get going in the mornings and having that time of it's nine o'clock, it's time for work has really been useful to me over the years. Yeah, but one of the advantages there is because you're working at home, you don't necessarily have to start in the morning. Um, no. The all work cares about is that you get the work done. And I know sometimes you've got meetings or commitments in the morning, but uh, you will have more flexibility with your schedule. So maybe you sleep until nine and you start work at 10 or 11. Um, I think that can be really helpful and a great experiment because 
one of the biggest problems everybody has is not getting enough sleep. Mm-hmm. Makes a huge difference. I mean, I, I was talking to Mike about this on Focused right after we had the time change where suddenly I found myself getting an extra hour of sleep and it was like it changed my world. And I, <laughs> you know, you learn this and you know it like on an intellectual level, but you have to experience it once in a while to remind yourself, oh, wait a second, I was not getting enough sleep. And if you look at the studies, not getting enough sleep is almost like walking around intoxicated all the time and you're supposed to try and get your work done. It just doesn't work. So you've got an option here, but a start time and an end time is important, but maybe you've got some flexibility as to when it is, mm-hmm. which you may have not had before. So that's something to try. Um, one of the big uh, takeaways for me is suddenly you don't have a commute time. You know, if you've been going to work, but now you're working from home for a little while, you've got this gift of commute time and you could use that to get extra sleep. I think a really good way to use it is to make a plan, sit down every day and say, these are the five things I'm going to get done today. These are the blocks of time I'm going to use to get them done. And I'm going to be a monster and they're going to wonder at work how I am so productive at home. You know, so, so make a plan and uh, you may be surprised how much that helps. I think too, about the, the lack of a commute. A lot of people will waste the time, you know, just, just that time just gets absorbed somewhere else. I like what you said about using it to make a plan. I think it can also be useful to have something to like to mode switch between work and home. And um, so for me at the end of my workday, I just take a few mindful minutes before I go in for the evening. And, you know, that's not necessarily like, you know, sort of hardcore meditation, but just, you know, five or six minutes of just quiet time by myself breathing just to, and that has been really useful to me for me to be able to switch off the work and, and then go in and be with the family. It doesn't have to be that. It can be um, it can be exercise. It can be, hey, you know, after work, before dinner, I'm going to go walk around, you know, walk around the block if you can do that safely. Or or it's just something, just some sort of line of demarcation to start and end the day. Because the, a commute does that really well, right? If you're on the train or in the car for 20 minutes, you have that buffer. And at home, that gets erased. And I find it very useful to have those transition periods so I can turn sort of you know boot up the work stuff in my brain and then turn it off and go and be present with my family so just some sort of routine some sort of transition again i have found to be very useful and uh also i think kind of in that is the idea of context shifting and different locations steven's really lucky he's got a separate structure in his backyard what do you, what do you call it the mac shed what's the name of your headquarters yeah i, I kind of call it the studio but it needs a better name like it definitely needs a a title I like the Mac Cave, you know, yeah. like a play on the Bat Cave. It's good. Mac Cave is good. I, I think listeners, we should really work on this. Okay. Let's workshop this in the uh, forums. Perfect. By next episode, we're going to have a name for Steven's headquarters. Okay. Okay. I'm so afraid. Okay. And we're going to vote, and that's going to be it. You're just going to be stuck with it, right? Hey, okay. Yeah, I, I, you know, I'm a man of the people. I've always All said right. that. And, uh... Anyway. You do have a Mac cave, which is cool. So you really can context shift. The kids' board games and the TV are in the house, and you yep. go outside where you podcast. Um, a lot of us that are now um, working from home don't have that benefit. Um, it's hard. Uh, and now it's even harder because we're not the only person that's suddenly working from home. Just right. in my my house, I've got two kids attending online school. My wife is doing Disney work uh, in regular Zoom meetings and me doing my thing all in our, you know, 1,500-ish square foot home. So uh, you may not have as much space, but try 
to find certain spaces to do work and make that not where you eat your dinner and hang out with your family. Try and try and have some kind of context shift. Easier said than done. I, I'm really suffering on that because I have uh, my bike and I go to Starbucks. I have all these places I go. Right. Right now, I can't do any of that stuff. Sure. So my uh, my various contexts have been diminished. I, mm-hmm. I've been doing some work and getting the backyard cleaned up so I can work in the backyard, and that's kind of nice. Uh, but think about that. Try and work in one place and another. And when you start work, another important tip, I think, is to have your end time planned and set an alarm for it. Because I think when you're working home, it's very easy to just keep working. Yes. And, um, you know, set an alarm and do break. Take, you know, take advantage of being home. And mm-hmm. but, but when the day is over, close the computer, shut the books, whatever. Do your five minutes of mindfulness like Stephen and then go be present with your family who really need you right now anyway. Yeah. Uh, and the dedicated spacing, I agree. I'm extremely fortunate to have this building. But even if it's as simple as, hey, we're going to take this table that's, you know, at the end of the kitchen and that's going to be my office. And maybe we used to eat breakfast there. We'll eat breakfast somewhere else. Like It can be something as simple as that. And uh, I like the idea of shutting the laptop. For me, is I have a desktop, so I can't bring that inside. But if you do use a notebook, then like maybe instead of just shutting it, leaving it on the table, which is really tempting to log back in after dinner, like go put it in your backpack or go put it, you know, on the top of the bookcase, someplace where it is not visible, someplace where it is not easy to get back into work. And I think that can really, again, create those boundaries because when you go into an office, that's all built in, and when you're at home, it's it's so easy. I really struggled this when I went independent five years ago of just working all the time and not having any of these, these walls built around it. And over time I've really worked hard at that and people who are thrown into it with very little warning, it's a very common struggle. Don't feel like you're alone in that struggle, but it can be as simple as, Hey, I'm going to put my MacBook pro in my backpack and then I'm going to put my backpack in the hall closet. And tomorrow morning I'm going to get it when I go to work. It can be, that sounds silly, but it really can be that simple. And, you know, but there's advantages to this as well. Oh, uh, yeah. You don't, you don't have commute. You don't have nearly as many meetings because meetings have to be really planned out when you're doing them remotely. And and that gives you more time to do, you know, the deep work, as Cal Newport would say. And uh, another thing I think that's a real advantage of this, and this is something Mike and I talked about on this week's Focused, is when you're at a big office, making a change in procedure is like turning a battleship. It takes a long time but when you're home working on your own, it's like a speedboat. You can turn on a dime. So suddenly you have this opportunity to try and create new habits and figure out ways to more efficiently get your work done. And you don't have any of those other bozos at work getting in the way of that. So, you know, really take advantage of this. You may build some skills and work habits that when all this is over and you go back to the office, changes the way you work at the office too. You know, it, it's it's a terrible time, but it's also an opportunity if you need to work from home, to maybe learn a few tricks. Uh, last piece for us is, I know in my family, a real challenge was what I was mentioning earlier. It's not just me. And before all this started, I worked from home, but I had complete 100% control of when I was working in my studio and when I was working on you know client work and when I decided to do some exercise. Now I need to coordinate that with three other humans. And um, so that's something that I'm sure a lot of listeners are banging into as well. Um, We in my family have started doing this thing at night where we all sit down and talk about what the commitments are the next day. 
And, you know, the kids tell us when they have their classes. My wife has certain meetings and commitments, and I've got podcasts and client things I'm working on. And we just kind of take that and we make a schedule for the next day. And we decide, you know, who's watching the puppy win and who gets the studio for the, this block of hours. And it's been working out really well, just spending that little bit of time in the evening. The first day we did it without it, and it was a big mess. And uh, just spending like, you know, 10, 15 minutes together in the night, we were really doing better. That's uh, an absolute, absolutely crucial point. Even if you don't have to share space, it's easy. And Mary and I struggled with this when I first uh, went indie where I'm at home, right? But I'm not home. And I, I've shared this before and I totally ripped it off from our friend underscore David Smith, where he and his wife use the lingo of I'm at work and I'm at home. So if I come in from the studio and get a snack, it's like, oh, I'm, I'm still at work. I'm not home yet. And it can it can be those little things because it's really easy to, especially when you have a lot of people in a house all at once, it's very easy to accidentally hurt someone's feelings with this. And the last thing I want to do in this sort of stressful time is to, you know, act, you know, inadvertently hurt my spouse's feelings or my kids' feelings, where they have an expectation of of me being home and I really am at work or or whatever it is. And so that really clear, simple communication is key. A calendar is a great idea, but even just checking in throughout the day, you know, on occasion, David, I know you have this too. Like, oh, I was going to record that show at one, but the other person had a thing, so we're going to record it at three instead. So even those little little bits of communication can go a long way in keeping the peace. Yeah. Uh, when I first started working from home five years ago, several of my lawyer friends said, you will not last a month at home. I guarantee you, you'll be renting an office. Your wife and you will be ready to murder each other. <laughs> and because um, Daisy was home quite a bit at that time, we never had that problem. Um, but one of the things we did is kind of, we did have some kind of operating instructions when we began. And one of the things we agreed upon is we're going to try and work out together each day, but we are not going to make any promises about eating lunch together, you mm -hmm. know? So, so it, you didn't feel like you had to one more schedule to satisfy. And, you know, we just gave each other the space to do what we needed to do. And it worked out just fine. And I think that you got to take that into this as well, but you can do it. You can do it. You, you can totally do it. And, and you, you mentioned that there are upsides to this. We get to spend time, with our roommates or our families, and we get to really kind of all be together to go through this, this situation we're all in. And it can be very rewarding from a work perspective as well, because you've got far fewer interruptions. You can really get that focused time. And you, you said something earlier that caught my ear, the, the idea of time shifting a little bit. Like I am most productive between about 5 and 10 p.m., like sort of those evening hours. Now, that is really? completely incompatible wow. with having a family, <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, but on the occasion where I'm really behind or, you know, maybe, you know, the kids are going to dinner with Mary and her mom or something, like th those rare times where I can work those hours, I can just fly through stuff. Like, I just, that's the way I'm built. And if you if you know that about yourself and it's compatible with your situation, take advantage of that because, you can get a lot done without people bugging you all day. And Mike Schmitz calls that the productivity prime time. Mm -hmm. You know, when you feel like you're a superman and you can just like get so much done. And for me, that's like eight to like noon. Yeah. But five to 10 p.m., I am just, I'm just a <laughs> puddle of goo. You know, <laughs> I'm, I'm no good at that time. 
so it's interesting, but you know, if you're home, maybe you can figure out when your productivity prime time is and adjust your schedule because you don't have a smelly boss telling you to be there at a certain time and leave at a certain time. But you know, like I said, this is an opportunity. There's other upsides to all this as terrible as all this is. I have to admit selfishly, I like having my kids home, you know? And so, you know, my family, Jeopardy, watching Jeopardy is a contact sport. So we're having fun watching Jeopardy together, playing board games in the evenings. And it's just real kind of nice having them here in the middle of all of this. So um, there's the hippie part. But we also have the nerd part, which we're going to talk about next. This episode of Mac Power Users is brought to you by Bowl and Branch, the folks who make the softest organic sheets and luxury bedding. If you're looking to add a little luxury to your life, this is for you. My wife and I received a set of Bowl and Branch sheets, and it is like the nicest unboxing experience I've ever had. And that includes the Mac Pro, I think. It is came in this beautiful box with a ribbon around it. You untie it. Everything's laid out really nicely. Just the presentation is really great. If you're going to get these as a gift to somebody, they're going to be super impressed thinking that you went out of your way to make it a nice experience. It just comes that way. You know, we got a, we got a set too, and we put them on the bed that we laid in the bed the first night. We're like, damn, you know what this means, right? Yeah. <laughs> we're going to we're gonna have much nicer sheets going forward. Uh-huh. It ruins you. They're so good. Yeah. Totally ruins you. Bowl and Branch products are made with uncompromised quality, and the attention to detail is present every step of the way. They're meticulously crafted from pure 100% organic cotton. They're such high quality because that is organic, long-staple cotton, which means Bowl and Branch sheets will get softer over time, which is hard to believe because they're amazing when they're new. They're honestly so soft, the only bedding loved by three U.S. presidents. If you didn't already know, Bowl and Branch are the good guys when it comes to ethical manufacturing. All of their factories prioritize workers' empowerment and sustainable incomes. 100% of their packaging, as beautiful as it is, is made from recycled paper. And they're the first manufacturer of linens to be fair trade certified. You really need to give these a try. Shipping is always free, and you can try them out for 30 nights risk-free. And right now, you'll get $50 off your first set of sheets at bowlandbranch.com with the promo code POWERUSERS. So go there, upgrade your betting, you won't regret it. That's bowlandbranch, B-O-L-L, bowlandbranch.com with the promo code POWERUSERS. Our thanks to Bowl and Branch for the support of the show. So let's talk about remote collaboration because now that's a thing. You know, on the basic level, you've got your communication tools like email, and uh, your work chat, which often can be Slack or something like Microsoft Teams. I guess I would just hope that you have that stuff in place before all of this hit, because mm -hmm. this is a heck of a time to try and figure it out. It is. I I've talked to a lot of friends out in the world with, you know, in companies, and it seems like most of my friends, they're, they were in companies big enough that or they already had this sort of thing in place. But if you're in a smaller business, you know, now's the time to, to find those. Um the real-time communication is nice, but it can be distracting, and you've got to sort of work out, you know, when you want to need to be available, when you don't need to be, and all. But all that sort of uh, works out with you know the culture of each company. Slack obviously is extremely popular. I saw some tweets by their CEO about their their daily uh, user number is like sky high because so many companies are using it. Microsoft Teams is a very similar product, and if you're 
company runs on the Office 365 platform. MS Teams integrates with all that stuff, so it's it's a nice option. I think this is a good time. If you're listening to Mac Power users, you're kind of nerdy, right? I think this is a good time to share some knowledge with your coworkers on these instant messaging platforms. I know there's a lot of people that have had access to them that probably didn't use them as much as they are now. And uh, uh, one of the ways I would recommend is is put together like some instructional stuff for your coworkers about like uh, emoticon responses and maybe just some ideas about um, best practices in terms of response time. You know, everybody's kind of figuring it out now and make yourself kind of the expert and, and share some knowledge with your coworkers. I'd strongly recommend setting out there the idea that just because it's instant message doesn't mean it's instant reply. Mm-hmm. You didn't have that a few weeks ago at work, so you shouldn't have it now. Right. But this is like the time to set that. If you wait too long, um, you're setting these weird expectations. So I would strongly recommend something like that. Um, but other than that, I mean, you're not going to change the work platform in the middle of all this. Mm-mm. The other thing that people are running into is um, connecting over VPNs. A lot of big corporations, they have internal servers or internal structure you need to hit. And, you know, I've got uh, a good friend of mine who works in IT for an enormous, enormous organization here in Memphis. And they're having users who have never connected to a VPN before having to VPN in and uh, you know, if you work in IT, I know this is probably a very challenging time with a bunch of people working from home. But again, if you are the nerdier type, you can help your coworkers help figure this out. And it's something that unfortunately is just a reality in a lot of big corporations. But on the Mac or PC or, or iPad OS or even the phone, VPN connectivity is, is pretty straightforward to do. And hopefully your IT department is, will be a good resource getting anything you need set up. I think a lot of companies got surprised by all of this. Like I can, Daisy works, my wife works for a big company and uh, I just sent Stephen a picture. <laughs> she had to go into work today because they didn't set up the VPN properly. And the only way to do it is with the computer connected ethernet to the work network. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> so, so she went to work. I just sent Stephen a picture. She looks like uh, she's going into a hazmat situation. Yeah. Mask, gloves. <laughs> Got the Apple Watch there. See that? <laughs> oh, she, the, uh, she wears her Apple Watch with the crown down. Yeah, man. Madness. My wife is cool. My wife Madness. is cool. That's that's the way. That's the right way to do it, no, Stephen. No, it's not. Come on. And when you put your, then you angle your hand. You set off Siri the other way. That is true. I also have about a bajillion Apple Watch screenshots. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. But yeah, so that's an issue. Uh, but you know, hopefully you've got that stuff dialed in and you're working okay. But in addition to you know the general communication, you know, what is a company without meetings? And uh, another company that has been quite busy the last few weeks is Zoom. Hey gang, it's Steven. Just a real quick note. I think most people know that we record these episodes several days in advance. And since recording this section about Zoom, a lot has come to light about the security and safety of its platform. The biggest advice that we have is if you set up a meeting, make sure that it's password protected. But we have some links in the show notes to some of these issues and some alternatives to Zoom. I'm still using it for a lot of my stuff but I just think it's important to use it with eyes wide open. So if we say some things in the segment that feel a little 
out of date or out of place, I think that's why. We've done what we can to clean it up in the edit, but I just wanted to make this note to be really clear about how we feel about Zoom. It's a great product, but clearly it has some issues, and hopefully they can work those issues out. Thanks for understanding. Yes, yeah, Zoom's a really interesting company. They they started life as sort of this enterprisey corporate tool, and they have just, at least in my circles, I think a lot of people's circles, has just become the default video chat over the last several weeks. So much so that like it's become a verb, right? It's like, oh, let's FaceTime mom. It's like, oh, well, let's Zoom. You know, the teacher's going to Zoom us later. It's, it's really wild to see. Well, one of the things they did was they gave free um, enterprise accounts to all the schools. I don't know if that was, I know because my kids are using them for classes, but the, um, I think that's a recent thing they did when all this hit, but you know, good on them. Last year there was, you know, some bad press on them and they, they did a bad thing. They put a, a well, I guess a private server in on your Mac when yeah. you installed the software, <laughs> Yeah, which I guess made things, I, I think it avoided one confirmation dialogue, but yeah, left your Mac open to the internet, which, you know, was not good. Mm-mm. Yeah, and and recently they they were using the uh, some the Facebook SDK for some analytics stuff, and they've ended up turning that off in the mobile versions because it was doing a bunch of tracking and people realized it. So I feel like yeah, they've had some issues, and uh, it is it is really easy to use. Like my kids are seeing their classmates on Zoom. It's just you know very easy to to do. It's video, audio, and phone meetings. So someone can just call in. You know, you call a special phone number and you're there. I'm using it for video for um, like Bible studies at church and, you know, catching up with people and for all sorts of things. And it's, it's pretty straightforward. It's, there's a free version. If you're just a, a human being, you get, um, you get it for free with the basically two limitations. It's meetings are capped at 40 minutes. Let's be honest. That's a blessing in disguise, right? Like, yeah, that's not should. a limitation. <laughs> I, I would pay extra if it was capped at 10, honestly. <laughs> yeah. Can I pay for shorter meetings uh, and up to 100 participants? And they, they give you a lot of options. So like everyone who comes in is muted automatically. I mean, lots yeah. of lots of control. Uh, if you do need more, it's 15 bucks a month and you get 24-hour long meetings, which I, I don't need. But um, I'm paying for it right now because I need some longer times with, some, with certain things. But um, it's got Mac app, what we spoke about. It's on iOS. Uh, my wife has used it on her iPad a good bit over the last week or two. So Zoom has become very popular, and it's been really interesting to see it sort of just take off across basically every part of my life. I, I've got a paid account, but it's the lowest tier paid account, which allows me to do broadcast to 100 people. Yeah. And I am, um, I'm, I, I'm working on setting these up for field guide customers, where we'll do like a, an hour on keyboard maestro or shortcuts or whatever and then we can just do kind of a video course with that it all got kind of put on the back burner with everything going on right now but i'm actually thinking about doing one because i've had i've heard from so many teachers that are trying to do online coursework suddenly that i'm considering i think i'm going to do a free one the next week on just teachers that want to get better at screen flow mm-hmm. and how they can lay their stuff out because everybody's trying to figure it out but just watch maxsparky.com if you're interested in that. Cool. You mentioned Cisco. If you're in a, in a corporate world, you know, the word WebEx comes <laughs> across your desk and email very often. Yeah. Uh, you can use it for free. There's no, currently no time limit. They've lifted that in the current day. But normally the, the free version is the same as Zoom with a 40-minute limit. 
it is like a buck fifty cheaper a month for the 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 lowest tier. Um, I don't think it is as easy to use as Zoom. I downloaded and played with it. I think Zoom kind of beats them as far as understanding all the options. Um, but it is out there as well. And again, Mac, PC, iOS, iPad, et cetera. Yeah, I use both of them all the time because I have clients that use both systems and you use whatever your client uses. And I uh, I greatly prefer Zoom. Mm-hmm. I, I've had better experience with it in terms of stability and just surprises. I feel like the when I'm using WebEx, sometimes I feel like I'm diffusing a bomb. I push the wrong button. My <laughs> camera lights up. You know, it's just like. Yeah, I love yeah. that. Yeah, so just be careful. I mean, just learn the interfaces. That's really on me more than it's on Cisco. But I can say that I don't have those problems with Zoom. So if you got a choice, I would I would pick Zoom. Mm-hmm. And then of course there's Skype. Yeah, Skype. It's 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 a thing. I use it every day for podcasting. It's uh it's the old one, right? It's the one that's been around a long time. But it it's it's owned by Microsoft. It runs on basically anything, including like the Xbox, because that's a Microsoft platform. Uh, you can call from Skype to a phone number, which is pretty cool. So if you're, um, Mike uses this some for, if he needs to call somebody with a, like an American number, he can use his Skype account and just call them directly. So that's a nice trick that it has. It's really different than WebEx and Zoom. So Zoom in particular, because I'm more familiar with it, you create a meeting and then you send a link out to the people you want on that meeting, which has a link in the email that click on it. Zoom opens, they enter the the pin that you provide them and then they're just in, right? Cisco works basically the same way. Skype is different usually. So Skype has like a buddy list. So like if I look in Skype now, it's like David Sparks, Jason Snell, you know, John Voorhees, all these people that I work with and I can talk with any of them, but if I want to add somebody, it's like when we have guests on MPU, we have to exchange Skype handles and like, okay, add me as a friend. I'll add you as a friend. So now I've got like hundreds of people that I've interviewed over the years across a bunch of podcasts in my Skype buddy list. Skype now has a feature called meet now, which sort of mimics what zoom and WebEx do where you can kind of set it up and people can just click into it. I played with it and it's pretty limited. Skype really is still based on that old model of like a friends list. But if it's just people you already know, it's a totally viable option. It does video chat and everything else. Um, Well, regardless of which video service you use for these meetings, uh, give some thought to this. Um, The the first is lighting. Um, The the other day my wife was doing a, a work meeting and she's like, I don't understand. And I went over and looked. She was she had her computer on the kitchen table. There was a bright window right behind her. So she looked like she was in the witness protection program. You know, you just saw kind of like a shadow of her and this huge <laughs> light behind her. And I just got her to twist her chair just to like, you know, a foot to the right and turn the computer. So it faced the room instead of the window. And all of a sudden she looked great. So, so give some thought to your lighting. Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't want a backlight. You'd like front lights if at all possible, Windows in front of you or to the side of you are the best, you know, and uh, they look great. You'll look good on that. Sounds dumb, but this is still a work meeting. Take a shower, comb your hair, you know, <laughs> do all that stuff. And some other things I was thinking about, I am a big believer in meeting prep. I think it's even more important for video calls because right now video calls are like a huge distraction in themselves. I've been watching my kids do them and like, the and my wife 
and like you're working on work stuff and suddenly somebody's like, Oh, have you seen my dog? You yeah. know, <laughs> you know, and all of a sudden all this stuff shows up because we're home like, Oh, look at that poster behind you. Where did you go to that place? You know, mm-hmm. and I, you can hear these conversations getting distracted very easily. I think that more than ever, this is a time to have a list before you start your meeting and there's nothing wrong with showing off your dog. Although mine is the best in the world. So, wow. you know, it's going for go that, with that. Yeah. Well, 90% of the time she's the best in the world. 10% she's the worst in the world. Um, but the, um, you know, so that's fine, but still have your list in front of you. So once you're done talking about the dog, you can get back on track. So I think, uh, prep, put extra time into prep for video conferences, more important than ever. And the same thing with the post meeting prep, because when you would go into an office after the meeting, you could talk to people afterwards and say, okay, who's going to do this and who's going to do that. Quite often that will not happen when everybody just hangs up. Instead, they'll hang up and go make a sandwich and you'll forget what happened. So book yourself in for an extra 15 minutes at the end of each meeting to write down what you're responsible for. Maybe send a confirming email out to everybody. I've got a drafts action for this because that's what you do. And um, it, it just lays out who was there, what happened and what I've committed to. And it saves it as a text file. And when I'm done, I uh, send that off as an email to the other participants. And then I send it to OmniFocus to process. So um, we've talked about this stuff on MPU in the past, but you know, that's, that's my little method for getting that done. Another cool trick with the drafts action is I can export it as rich text and I put it into, for legal stuff, I put it into the base camp for that client. And for Max Barkey stuff, I put it into an Apple note. And so you can export the meeting notes and have a permanent copy of them. Yeah, that's all fantastic advice. I definitely have been on several calls where you can't see somebody, you know, because they're <laughs> all blown out with the light. Uh, yeah. another, th- another thing in here is is audio. A lot of these tools will do their best to like mute you when or make it easy to mute or try to uh, cut down on echo. If everyone's just on laptops, right, then their speakers pick up the microphones. Everything becomes a big mess audio wise. Some of these apps do a better job than others at uh, getting rid of that. But the simplest thing you can do is just anything, right? So if you have iPhone earbuds or AirPods or something just to cut down on the noise, uh, everything will be much clearer on the call. And, you know, that all pairs with your laptop or iPhone or iPad and, and you're set. So that is something I think a lot of people don't think about. They just open their, their MacBook and hit accept. And then it, it sounds, it's hard to hear. That will also cut down a background noise if you have other people in the house or like, you know, other people at home making noise, it'll help cut down on that as well. It does so much more too. They, if you, the other person will have their speakers too high, you will start hearing your voice come back through the system sometimes. And all of these services are liable to have this problem. If you, you know, it depending on the user, if they make it too loud and it's super frustrating to try and talk while you hear your voice a few seconds ago, coming back into your ear. Mm-hmm. So if everybody starts putting something in their ear, then that, that gets rid of that problem. And I'll just put my pitch in here for the AirPods. If you have a pair of AirPods, they are so good at this problem. Um, you can easily pair them to your iPhone, iPad, or your Mac. People forget about that. Just go up near a menu bar to the little speaker button and click on it, and you'll see the AirPods are there. Click on the AirPods, and they're connected. So if you're doing these meetings from your Mac, which a lot of people are, connect your AirPods. You can just put one in. That's also really nice. So you don't have to look like you know that guy. And you put the one, I usually put it in my left ear, so then you 
you barely even see it on camera, but um, it does a great job of picking up your voice. Um, and then years ago on Mac Power Users, I had a trucker write me uh, when we were talking about um, noise canceling uh, devices. And he said that the choice of all truckers is the Blue Parrot Bluetooth device. And I mentioned it on the show, and this is years ago, and I've heard, heard back over the years from so many listeners who bought those Blue Parrots when I mentioned it once on the show, and they all love them. So it's like the Cadillac of you know, Bluetooth noise-canceling devices if you want to go crazy. Cool. Yeah, I'll put a link to that in the show notes. Yeah. I, I'll, I'll, although, to be honest, if you have a pair of AirPods, I would not buy a Blue Parrot. You're fine. Just no. put an AirPod in your ear. I've been taking uh, some meetings or, you know, th- video calls in my office. And I just yeah. have all this podcast stuff set up. So everyone's like, wow, you brought the big microphone out. I was like, yeah, but this is what I have, right? Yeah, it's <laughs> connected. I mean, it's yeah. really not that big I'm of a deal. I'm not going to hook up AirPods to my Mac Pro when I have this microphone hooked up to it already. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I just, I've gotten some ribbing from friends about that. It's been kind of funny. Yeah, I, I do, however... Uh, on occasion do that like when i i was recently on chuck joiner's um uh, mac voices podcast yeah and he does a video and i just didn't want to be on his camera on his video podcast wearing these big cans over my ears because uh, the ones i have my usual podcasting headphones are big they go over my ears and i i look like a super geek at this moment um so i i put an airpod in my left ear and i i put the microphone on the right side so there was no bleed and it was just, I looked better, mm-hmm. you know, so I am willing to do it if it's something that's going to be published. Sure. But the, yeah, it's great. And, um, it's definitely going to make a difference. Nothing like a little technology to fix things, right? Oh yeah. It'll go a long way. This episode of the Mac Power Users is brought to you by Squarespace. Make your next move and enter offer code MPU at checkout to get 10% off your first purchase. With Squarespace, you can easily create a website for your next idea with a unique domain, award-winning templates, and more. Maybe you want to create an online store or portfolio or even a blog like I've done with Max Parkey. Squarespace is the all-in-one platform that lets you do just that. There's nothing to install, no patches to worry about, no upgrades needed. You don't have to worry about any of that stuff. Squarespace has got it all covered, and they have award-winning 24-7 customer support if you need any help. They let you quickly and easily grab a unique domain, and all the award-winning templates are beautifully designed for you to show off your great ideas. I had been doing MaxBarkey.com through, you know, a different service years ago, and I was constantly having problems. My plugins were breaking, and then a very good friend of mine with a similar website got hacked, and he didn't even know it, and I just said, I am done with this. As much as I'm a nerd, I don't want to spend hours a day managing a website. So I signed up for Squarespace at that time. That was at least six, seven years ago now. I have been so happy with my move to Squarespace. All of the Max Sparky content in all these years since then has been done through Squarespace. The site looks beautiful. When I make changes to it, it's very easy for me to do. Someone told me the text was too small recently. I don't want my text too small where people can't read it. I pushed a couple buttons in the Squarespace interface, and my text got bigger everywhere. Not with just the new articles, but everything I'd written in the entire run of the website. You can do that too. Squarespace plans start at just $12 a month, but you can start with a trial with no credit card required by going to squarespace.com slash MPU. We always talk about Squarespace as the place to help your friends who aren't geeks get on the internet. 
you know, it's also the place for you to get on the internet because it just makes it so easy. And when you decide to sign up, use offer code MPU to get 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain and to show your support for the Mac power users. Once again, that's squarespace.com slash MPU and the code MPU to get 10% off your first purchase. We thank Squarespace for their support of the Mac power users and all of FM. Squarespace, make your next move, make your next website. One thing we have gotten quite a few questions about is live streaming. A lot of people are taking this time to explore just sharing video of themselves doing things uh, with the web. And this is a big topic. I think we're just going to kind of hit the high points today. The sort of the starting point is is platform, I think. Once you once you know what you want to do or like, you know, kind of your, your game plan for content. Yeah. Uh, Facebook and Instagram are probably the easiest. You can just do it right there in the app. Your friends get notified. You with Instagram, I know you can add other people in. So like you and I could do a chat on Instagram Live, and people could watch and, and rewatch it for twenty four hours. YouTube also has this ability within the iOS app if you have a channel set up. So that that could be a little bit more work, but but also possible. Uh, it really just depends on kind of where your people are. It's also Periscope, which shows up on Twitter and the Periscope app. So there's a lot of options as far as social media live streaming. All, all of these platforms make it pretty easy. You just hit the live go live button and then you're talking through your phone to the world. Um, but there are a couple of uh, options that give you more control. If you don't want to just go through your phone, if you want to use your Mac, uh, especially if you want to stream to Twitch, which is extremely popular, or with um, you know multiple outputs at once. If I, I want to send this to Twitch and YouTube Live or save a local file as I'm doing this, then you, you're going to be looking at something on the Mac. The app that I like and the one that I've been using for any stuff that I'm doing on the on the Relay Twitch channel, so like I've been doing the, um, well, it's over now by the time this comes out, but the, the Mac Madness stuff, those live streams were all done with a, a Mac app called Ecamm Live. Ecamm is a, a company, they make a bunch of stuff, including Skype Call Recorder, which is really helpful if you need to record Skype conversation. Uh, and I use it, I'm running it right now. But Ecamm Live is a, a pretty new app from that company, and it is a, a streaming app. And a lot of people will tell you, and they are right, that streaming on the Mac is, your options are just more limited than what you can do on the PC. And a lot of that has to do with um, OBS, which is a very popular streaming app as well. But Ecamm is very Mac-like, and it integrates really nicely with all the stuff that's on your Mac. So you can say, okay, I want to zoom just to this window and put my camera here and use this audio interface. And it's all really easy to set up, as easy as it can be. Live streaming, unfortunately, is just complicated, but Ecamm Live makes it pretty approachable. I think Ecamm is one of the unsung heroes of the Mac in terms of production. I mean, the, like the fact almost every podcast I know runs a backup recording with Skype call recorder. Mm -hmm. And they do a, a solid job because these aren't easy programs to write because they have to interface with other people's apps and still manage audio in a way that's production worthy. And uh, you can see that with the number of updates they're always doing. Every time the operating system changes or the underlying apps change, they issue updates. And uh, this is a this is a great product. It really is. And what, what's neat about it is you can save presets. So if you do a couple of different things, 
you can say, okay, all my settings like this, save them right as they are now. And you can reload those presets later. So you don't have to like rebuild everything you do every time. Uh, there's a 14-day trial to check it out. And then it's $144 a year or $240 a year for Pro. And their website breaks down what features you get where. Uh, if you need 4K support, you're paying for Pro. But you know most people don't have a 4K webcam or, or external 4K camera they're using for this. Uh, so I just have the standard version, and it's it's been really great. It's been uh, very helpful for me in the li- little bit of live streaming I've been doing, and like I said, this a really solid Mac app. Wait a second, you don't have a 4K webcam? Mm-mm. My mine's just 1080. I I do. Oh, I don't 1080. Um, no, I, I didn't realize that was one downgrade for you when you went to no, the Mac Pro. No, the iMac Pro has got a 1080 one built in. I thought it was I thought it was a 4K no, camera. No, nope, 1080. Well, it's much better. Than yeah, well, the, it's uh, all the other Macs have really bad webcams. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, well, I stand corrected. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mine's an external one. A little live. Cam live though. I, I think that's a great solution. And uh, once again, I, I think it's a good company that does something kind of hard. Yep. You want to talk about OBS? Yes, I do. So OBS is uh, very common on the PC. It's what a lot of people use on that side of things. It's free and open source video recording and streaming. It it does what Ecamm Live does. So put these sources together, mix this audio this way, stream it to these places. And I've used it on the Mac. In fact, our church uses OBS on a iMac Pro to do our live stream on Sunday mornings. And it's just a mess on the Mac. Like it's, it is... Uh, pretty buggy. It's extremely resource heavy. Um, not that Ecamm Live isn't. I mean, doing all this video and audio stuff is is heavy duty. But I've just been really underwhelmed with OBS on the Mac. I think on the PC, it's it's much better. Uh, so if you want to experiment with this, I think it's an okay place to start. But I think that if you're going to get a, a little serious with it, Ecamm is probably worth the investment. I mean, parts of parts of OBS aren't even Retina on the Mac. It's like, that's all you, that's all I need to see. (laughs) Come on guys. Yeah. That's kind of old. Um, we talk on this show occasionally about my beloved stream deck, which I use to drive keyboard maestro and some automation stuff. But as the name implies, the stream deck was really invented for people that want to stream and you, it's got a bunch of built-in tools to do camera switches, pause, play, and just like all the streaming tools you may want and that might be something you want to look into if you're going to start doing a lot of streaming. Uh, they've got various sizes of them, but the the software is good. I mean, you always worry about soft, you know, a hardware thing you plug in and you install software drivers. If it's going to break my Mac, I've been using the Stream Deck now for I don't know at least six months and mm-hmm. no problems. Software works fine. And if you want to stream, this is another nice piece of hardware you may want to add. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 really cool. What about preparing content for streaming? I think. Um, no matter which platform you go through, you need to give some thought to that. You know, just like you want to comb your hair before your meetings, mm-hmm. you want to prep your desktop for streaming. Yeah, absolutely. You want to make sure that you everything that you want to do is sort of lined up for you. So, again, I'll use the Mac Madness ones as as an example. I had that keynote document ready to go in advance. I had my lighting ready to go. But um, I also want to make sure that my Mac looked tidy. Now, with that, with Ecamm, you can tell it to just stream this window so your desktop and icons aren't even visible. But if you need to show your whole screen, so say you're doing a tutorial or something, 
it's simple stuff, right? Make sure your Mac is in do not disturb so you don't get, you know, text messages and emails coming in. You know, quit apps that you don't need running. Use something like Bartender uh, to really clean up the menu bar. Hide your desktop icons. You know, stuff to to make your content shine and not be distracting about how messy your Mac is. And, and that stuff, too, can keep anything embarrassing, you know, at, at bay. If, if you don't want text messages to come in, but your Mac can do not disturb so they don't come in. And it can help you down the road so you don't have to, you know, try to edit something out after it goes live or something like that. So a little bit of preparation for your computer uh, can go a long way. I would add to that that audio is even more important when you're streaming than it is when you're making a video call or a conference call. Because, you know, people can forgive some little problems with your video. Video is hard. But, man, if your audio quality isn't good, uh, it's almost impossible to watch. I mean, when's the last time you watched a YouTube video that had bad audio and you made it to the end? Yeah, it's, so, a, it's not very, not very yeah, frequently. So, so get, you know, sort that out. You don't need the super fancy microphones that Steven and I use, but, you know, I, I, it was a journey for me. I remember the first microphone I bought was like $60 and it improved. That was the biggest improvement to my audio in the whole process. So you can do that. Um, uh, if you're going to be giving presentations, you need to give some thought to that as well, because presentations given for streaming are different from presentations given on a big screen in a room full of people. Uh, and they differ in a lot of ways. So the first is you don't have immediate contact with your audience to get a feel for what's working and what's not. So you probably need to go a little slower, be a little more deliberate. Also, just the size, like the size of text and everything is different because you're presenting on their computer screens not on this big screen. So you've got to think about that. Um, there is some cheating allowed quite often when you're presenting slides over, you know, a presentation like this, people don't see, they're not, you don't have, you know, downside is you don't have eye contact with the audience. The The upside is you don't have eye contact with the audience. You, you can have a, a bit of an outline or script in front of you to be making sure you hit all your points and nobody will know better. That's cool. Uh, one thing I've learned over the years with this stuff is computer demonstrations never work if part of your presentation involves doing something that involves the internet. The internet is going to fail. Yep, <laughs> um, it just it just happens. There's no way around it. Um, uh, you can you can practice it like six times and it'll work perfectly, but the one time you're live to a hundred people or more, it will not work. So I recommend uh, screencasting that. You know, get yourself a tool like ScreenFlow and get a um, and just screencast it in advance. You know, mm -hmm. when you're doing the trial, screencast it. Um, one of the power tricks there is, like, sometimes you want to pause while you're doing a demonstration of something. Um, do not rely on the presentation tools to pause and restart a video. Because uh, you'll get nervous and you'll push the wrong button and it'll skip to the next slide or something will go wrong. What I recommend is you record the whole thing that you want to demonstrate. Then you split the video into pieces. So at every pause point... That's a separate video. Make sense? You yeah. Know, you just, and then you clip, so you clip the video. So maybe there's three points you want to pause. So you clip a long video, a three minute video into three one minute videos. And you put each one on a separate slide. So you let it play the whole slide and then it pauses because the video stops and you can keep talking. Then you press the button. It picks up, you know, at minute 1.01 .01 to minute two. And if you get my drift, um, that's a great way to make those presentations seamlessly and without stress. I'm going to have a couple of links in the show notes to a webcam and USB microphone that I like. I think for the money, they're the best two options if you're wanting to do this, but not wanting to spend a lot of money. 
because you can use the built-in stuff, but like you said, you can you can improve this. I think something else uh, that that can be helpful in this is doing a dry run. You know, <laughs> before you hit that stream button, uh, walk through it. You know, just to yeah, make sure you don't absolutely. have any surprises. And maybe run a video of yourself and watch it later, mm-hmm. just to see how it looks. See how the camera angles are. If you've got a friendly person in your life, you can share it with. Yeah. See what they think of it. You know, all the you know all the usual tricks work. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to go back though. Stephen was going to make some recommendations on webcams. At what point? Like, I feel like with my iMac Pro, I'm fine using the webcam, especially for something like this. The webcam in the iMac Pro is actually pretty decent. I until about ten minutes ago, I thought it was 4K. <laughs> so there you go. Um, but the um, what Max do you believe, despite having a camera in the monitor? you should still use a webcam. I mean, unless you're using the iMac Pro, any Mac <laughs> webcam yeah. is not ten, not even 1080, right? They're all 720 yeah. and pretty crummy and low light. And yeah, I mean, if you're doing anything seriously, uh, if you're just doing video calls for work, I don't think you need to upgrade. But if you wanted to create content, if you're going to spend this time at home to spin up some sort of you know video content for yourself, it may be worth the investment. Just because even, you know, this like Logitech that I recommend is a huge upgrade over what's built in. Yeah. I I feel like that's one area where Apple could really improve is they, you know, as the computers have got better over the years and most of them are all SSD. And we just, you know, we just talked last week about the status of the Mac. I think we, one thing we forgot to mention is the webcams because it's like, they still seem like they're using the same webcams that were shipping five, 10 years ago. Yeah. It's really, they, they really need to improve that at some point. Yeah. Yeah. Anything, you know, 1080p, I don't think you have to go higher. That'll give you, um, a lot better look. This episode of Mac power users is also brought to you by text expander, save time typing and boost your productivity with text expander. If you type something more than a few times, just make it a snippet and let Text Expander type it for you. You can make snippets on one computer and use them on all of your devices so you're more productive everywhere. Smile hosts these really interesting webinars every month. You can learn more just starting out with Text Expander, get into the more advanced features, learn how it works with Teams, which is really huge for us at Relay. We use Text Expander for Teams uh, for a lot of common language we need to use, a lot of uh, sponsors, making sure their names are spelled correctly and correct capitalizations for their, their companies and everything. So go check that those out at textexpander.com slash webinar. One of, uh, I think, the smartest ways you can use Text Expander, especially with a team, is in customer service. So if you have common links you need to send to people, right? Of, oh, this is how you connect to your VPN. This is how you reset your printer. Instead of rewriting that every time and possibly missing the copy and paste to the correct link or having typos, you can build a snippet library over time and make that communication really solid across your entire team. And if you need to update something, you just update it in Text Expander and it gets pushed out to everybody else on the team. It's really fantastic. Text Expander is available, of course, for macOS, but also Windows, Chrome, iPhone, and iPad. And show listeners will get 20% off their first year. Visit textexpander.com slash podcast to learn more and get that 20% off. Our thanks to Text Expander from Smile for sponsoring the show. 
All right, uh, let's talk about some specific apps and products that help with remote work. And I, I think the first one, obviously, is FaceTime. Uh, you know, this is Apple's version of the video call, and I've been finding it to be pretty great. I've been using it a lot in the last few weeks. Uh, totally. And group FaceTime is, uh, we didn't really talk about it in the previous section because Zoom and all these other things work cross-platform. If, but if you're everyone is in the Apple circle, FaceTime, I think, is just the default option, right? The group group FaceTime works nicely. It's all integrated with the con your your contacts you already have. And I think it's a, a great place to start. Um, I mentioned this at the beginning of last week's episode that you can very easily add people to calls, but it's not obvious in the FaceTime call. I'll say it one more time. There's a little bar and a big bar at the bottom of the screen in FaceTime. You take the little one and just slide it up and then you can add people. Uh, but even since we recorded last week, um, my family and I, my extended family, we've been doing these daily video calls with everyone. And it's been really nice to kind of help us all deal with weird stuff that's going on. Mm -hmm. And I've also been using it with coworkers because just about everybody I work with has an iPhone. So it's just real, real easy to get a face on the screen. Yep. And you can do up to 32 people. So you can get a pretty big group in there. And the way the interface works, like if someone's talking, their video gets bigger and it like moves around. It's, it's a very fun interface. Yeah, the interface is great. I mean, it like floats the, the person speaking to be the biggest screen. I have... I think the biggest size one I've done in the last few weeks is 12 people. Um, I've not got, not got nearly 32. I, have you ever tested it with 32? <laughs> no, I think the biggest one I've been on is like five. <laughs> we should do like one with everybody on relay and yeah. see how, how far it goes. See what happens. But, but I can tell you with 12 people, it worked fine. Uh, there was occasionally like, I've got one relative that has dodgy uh, internet in their home or at least dodgy, um, you know, wireless and they they're they kept dropping out, but it was their problem, not kind of the calls problem or Apple's problem. So I think it works pretty good, and mm -hmm. I, I've been really happy with that. Yep. And if if you live in a split household or split family where you have uh, Android users as well, of course you can use Zoom or, or something like that. But uh, Google Duo is available for iOS as well, and it's 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 very similar to FaceTime, but it, it works with Android users. So my wife's family. Like her mom and one of her brothers uh, use Samsung phones and having them be available for video call through Google Duo has been fantastic. You sign in with your Google account, it all basically works the same way. Uh, it has groups up to eight and we've had, uh, I think we've probably had six or seven people on it. And again, as long as everyone's Wi-Fi is good, it's totally solid and it's a, it's a really nice alternative just because it's easy, like uh, FaceTime is. You get a list of your contacts in the app, you hit their you hit their name, and you're good to go. You don't have to set up a Zoom meeting or anything. So those are kind of the simple ones uh, and something that is useful for both work and at home. Mm -hmm. um, the uh, Some other kind of general advice when you're working from home, uh, it's the usual thing we talk about always with calendars and task managers. It works the same, except... I feel like when you're home, you're more likely to lose track of time than you are when you're in an office. So I would set alarms for meetings. I I usually set for all my meetings two alarms. I set one, whatever the amount of time I need to prep for it beforehand, and then another one five minute before it starts. So like for the typical meeting for me, I'll set an alarm 30 minutes before, do all my prep, and then I'll lose track of time again. So five minutes before the actual call, it'll ring another alarm. So that is a uh, 
a nice power tip, I guess, if you're home working for the first time. The Apple uh, devices have a do not disturb mode. All of them do. And this is the time you should be using them. <laughs> yeah, we spoke about do not disturb a bunch recently, and you can set you know set it for an hour. And that that's a fantastic way just to buckle down, le- let the outside world kind of uh, leave you alone for a bit. Of course, do not disturb is also on the Mac. It's not quite as powerful on the Mac. Basically, it runs do not disturb until tomorrow. So it just it goes off the next day. You don't have all the fine grain control, but it is uh, useful there as well. Yeah, and you can fix that problem. Like with the Mac, you can set an alarm or something sure. for yourself to to turn it back off. But but don't be afraid to use that stuff. This is this is the time, man. <laughs> this is the time. Mm-hmm. Um, in addition, I think it's a it's a good time to try out the keyboard and mouse with the iPad. We talked about the addition of this feature last week. Now I've been using it two weeks, and I cannot imagine using an iPad without it. So, um, if you've got an iPad and you've done the update and you've got a spare Bluetooth keyboard and mouse around your house, why not? plug them in just try it out for a day you may be surprised it's really good yeah one of my favorite things to do when i'm working is to have background noise as i get a little bit older i have a tinnitus issue so i hear the ringing in my ears all the time and as a musician i can tell you it's a minor third between my right and my left ear and it (laughs) drives me a little nuts it's not even a major third um but the um but there's a great app that i use all the time called dark noise we just did an interview with the Dark Noise developer on Automators, and it's just a great app. I mean, there's a lot of noise apps out there, but this is one that like did it right, and it's got great automation tools in it. But it also just, like, if you want a thunderstorm or you just want sound of a seashore, they even have the sound of a coffee shop. And it sounds silly, but sometimes I try that because I'm used to like doing certain work in a coffee shop, so it kind of puts me there a little bit. But yeah, um, if you're working from home and you know there's there's kids and significant others around the house, it may not be a bad idea to put some white noise in your workplace. Yeah, dark noise is really good. I'm really enjoying that application. Uh, working from home, you will find uh, that you love your AirPods if you have a pair, mm-hmm. whether they're the fancy ones with noise canceling or not. Um, it's just a great way to kind of put yourself in your own space while you're working, and because there's no cords, I mean. We keep saying it, but it's just one of Apple's best products, and it really shines when you're working at home alone. Um, We haven't talked at all about online collaboration in this episode, but I feel like, and we have talked about this in prior episodes of Mac Power Users, but if you've never done a lot of online collaboration apps, this is a really good time to try and use them. Um, Particularly with coworkers, things like Google Documents and Sheets can really be a lifesaver. Oh, yeah. It, it it takes what used to be working on a document in a meeting together, right? Where you're all like, oh, we're going to do this and then that, or taking something that would get passed around via email. You can just make it in real time and, and share it. And uh, again, I think this falls into the category of Slack and Microsoft Teams, like use what your company is using. And if you have an opportunity to to shape something new, you know, that, that may be fine, but I don't know if I would rock the boat this, this week at least. Yeah. Um, but there are a lot of great options out there. Of course, if you are in the office 365 world, those apps all do their thing with OneDrive, And so you, you know, for some people it could just be basically the same as working in the office. Um, but of course there's quip, which I know, um, a lot of our listeners are fans of, which is, uh, 
sort of in this same vein as well. Yeah, I go up and down on Quip. I really like their iOS apps better than the Google apps. Um, but sometimes I do find them a little tedious to work with as well. Like sometimes mm. like editing the same line isn't as easy as it is with Google Docs. Um, but whether using Google Docs or even Microsoft Word has some online collaboration stuff, when you're doing those online meetings, why not share a link to a shared document that you can be working in? And that's an even better solution than my draft solution where the, the team can collaboratively be building the meeting minutes as the meeting is happening. Um, it's a great place to write at the bottom, you know, action items, and you can attach names to items and everybody can see it while it's happening. Um, so, you know, get good at those tools. I beat the drum every few episodes for voice dictation, but if you're working from home this week, what better time to try it than now? There's nobody around listening to you, right? And day one, and well, we did a whole episode on day one, but I feel like uh, this might not be a bad time to keep a log in day one of uh, what you're feeling and how things are going and even how the work at home experiment is going and see what works and what doesn't. It would be mm -hmm. useful to go back and read that, um, you know, once all the dust settles on all this and you can go yeah. back to work. Yeah. And even if it's not day one, you could have a folder in Apple Notes and just yeah. title it the the date and just something to, to log that sort of stuff. I've definitely noticed a big uptick in my journaling uh, over the last couple of weeks. And it's, um, it can be a really useful way to sort of sort through things. Amen, brother. Um, and I guess just like the AirPods, the home pods are pretty great too. When you work. From oh home. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Ours have been rock and rolling. <laughs> now, how do you use your home pod in your studio? So I have it set where it is not listening to the, um, not listening to the to the voice word. Yeah. yeah i i really should do that <laughs> uh-huh so i have to go over there and touch it yeah uh most of the time though I, that's fine that's not a big deal or sometimes if i'm just working in the studio itself like i've got some shelves i want to hang up and if i get to that in the next couple of weeks uh, i'll use the little tap your iphone to the top of it and like stream a podcast from overcast to it so uh that's that's useful as well yeah some people don't know about that feature explain how it works yeah, so if you uh, are playing audio on your phone, so if you're playing a song or a podcast, and the podcast app has to support this, like Overcast does, uh, I believe. Um, we Basically, it just is a shortcut to AirPlay. So if you're playing a song, you know, you get out of your car and you want to listen to it in your kitchen, you basically just, with the song on your phone, you put the iPhone to the top of the HomePod, and it's like it jumps from the phone to the HomePod and starts playing there. That's and when awesome. You're ready, to, ready to leave, touch it again, and it comes back to your phone. It's an awesome feeling when it happens. It's really cool, and yeah. I found it. I've had pretty good luck with it. Um, with it working, so I'll have a I'll have a link in the show notes of, of how to walk through that. Yeah, I holler out at the HomePod once in a while to ask about weather and whatnot. I really should turn off the voice thing in the yeah. studio, but the um. The way I use it the most, however, is I use the music app on my iMac Pro, and I just have it driving to the studio HomePod. Okay. And the advantage of that is because, you know, calls come in or whatever, and I can control the audio with my keyboard because it's being driven from my Mac. Yeah. Yeah, I don't I don't ever use my HomePod with my Mac, but it's like on the other side of the studio. I mean, a, a friend of mine uses a HomePod as his computer speaker. <laughs> it's like, yeah. That seems fun. Um, well, I guess depending on where you have it. Yeah. Yeah. He has his like under his display. But yeah, the, the handoff uh, with the HomePod stuff is really neat. I'll have an iMore article people can go check out. 
Yeah, but it they, you know there's a lot of ways to do that. But uh, like the thunderstorm, when I was talking about dark noise, I always drive that through the HomePod. Mm-hmm. Although now that we've got all these people here, I'm using the, the the AirPods a lot more often. This episode of the Mac Power Users is brought to you by One Password. Go to onepassword.com/mpu in all caps to get twenty percent off your account. Now, you've heard about 1Password before. It's it's the best. It's the software that allows you to keep track of all your passwords. And all you have to remember, as the name implies, is your 1Password. So when you log into a website, you can have a unique um, password for each website. So if somebody gets it at that website, they're not going to be able to break into all your other websites. It's developed by a really cool set of nerds that think about nothing but protecting your privacy. And the app has got so many features to it. One of my favorite features on the app is the secure notes where I can put stuff in there like my medical doctor notes and medications and social securities. And it's all in there, but it's on this separate one password um, vault. So if you, if you unlock my phone, you're not going to get all that data. It's just a great way to keep secure data on your phone. Um, they have plans for companies and for families, and we've been using one in our family for years now, and it's just awesome because it protects all our passwords, but it's still convenient. It, it allows you literally to have your cake and eat it too. Um, and the one p- people at 1Password are so awesome. One of the things they did, I'm going to put a link in the show notes. Uh, we don't usually do this for sponsors, but this is a great post. They did a post on how to remote work, and because they're a company that's built around people uh, working remotely, and they wrote this really excellent blog post with a bunch of safety and security advice about working from home and how to protect yourself and uh, storage encryption and things like that. I, I thought it was really well written. And from the unique perspective of a company that is full of remote workers. So I'm going to put this in the show notes. It ties right in to the content today on Mac Power Users. But just another example of why I love this company so much. So go to onepassword.com slash MPU. And that MPU needs to be in all caps. You get that 20% discount and start protecting your security today. Thanks, 1Password, for all of your support of the Mac Power Users. So we thought we would wind down today with some favorites. This is something, of course, we do in our interview episodes, but some things that you and I have found uh, enjoyable or useful to maybe not get some work done while we're at home. Exactly. We're all kind of stuck home right now. I thought it'd be fun to talk about some stuff that gets us excited and gives us a little break from all the madness. Okay. So uh, first thing I wanted to ask you is your favorite thing to stream, because right now we're all home streaming. Yeah. What, what are you doing? Uh, we got a couple things going. My wife and I are slowly working our way through Jack Ryan on Amazon Prime, which is okay. very good. <laughs> um, yeah. If you like that sort of thing. I have yeah. also been watching, she will not watch it with me, uh, Hyperdrive on Netflix. It's like this, It look, it is cheesy, but it's like all these like ra- race car drivers racing on these insane courses. And yeah. I have totally fallen in love with it. It's it's set up like reality TV, like all these goofy cliffhangers and stuff. But I, it has just sucked me in like very few things do. But I'm also doing quite a bit of podcast listening. You know, I was already used to not having a commute. So I'm still listening to the shows I was listening to. And uh, one in particular, if you're interested in space stuff, 13 Minutes to the Moon by the BBC is an excellent podcast. They're covering Apollo 13 right now. And I've really, uh, really enjoyed that. Nice. Nice. I am um, right now, and Katie would be proud of me. I signed up for the CBS All Access, and I just finished over the weekend the new Picard okay. um, series. And, uh, you know, Picard was always my captain. 
Uh, I, you know, I went to law school. I watched the next generation every night and I really enjoyed it. Uh, I'm probably, I got the email this morning. I think a, a CBS all access knows I finished that series and they sent me the email telling me all the other great stuff on their network. Mm-hmm. But, and I'm going to go downstairs after we finish recording day and probably cancel my subscription. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. Yep. but you know, I, I was going to wait until it came out and just buy it. But I, uh, I, I just felt like I wanted something uplifting and something to distract me. And I did okay. that. The other one is over on the Apple TV uh, network. And Daisy and I have started watching Dickinson, which we're really enjoying. It's a, it's kind of a, it's Emily Dickinson, kind of the story of her, but it, it you, you just have to watch it because they tell it like kind of, it's set in a period piece, but it's told in a contemporary language. And I can't really describe it any more than that. You just watch the first episode and you'll love it or you'll hate it. And you'll know right then if it's good for you. Okay. Uh, this is one I wanted to put on for you. Mm-hmm. What is the best video game you played lately? <laughs> I don't play video games. I know. I know. Uh, the uh, the one game I'm playing right now is called Two Spies. It is a turn-based spy game on the iPhone and iPad written by our friends over at Steam Clock Software. And uh, I've been playing that with my brother and a couple friends and really enjoy it. Yeah, I have a couple. Uh, the uh, There's a great Star Wars game, of course, called Jedi Fallen Order. And you've got to have like a real console. It's like Xbox, um, PlayStation. I think it's maybe, I don't know if it's for Nintendo or not, but the, uh, but it's a really good story. I, I got really kind of tied into the story for the game. And of course it's Star Wars. So I like that. And then the one, the gift that just keeps giving, especially now that my kids are home is Mario Kart. Yes. We love to play Mario Kart together and yep. we do that frequently. We're doing a lot of that. That is the one video game I enjoy. So we've been playing Mario Kart. Uh, my kids are playing a Pokemon game on the Nintendo Switch that I texted Mike, Hurley, and Federico Vitici. I was like, tell me what to buy. <laughs> they told me what to buy. And my kids are enjoying that. Uh, yeah. You know, when they're not doing homeschool. Yeah. And then um, last one I thought, because we're, I don't, are you a board game family? My wife wishes we were. Okay. <laughs> but I'm well, I've not. got a couple of recommendations. Okay. Yeah, this is um, all you, man. Uh, well, like, you can always, with your kids' ages, I would recommend, like, just getting a, set, a deck of Uno cards. Oh, or yeah, like yeah, that. yeah. Oh, yeah. We, we play yeah. some stuff with the, with the kids, but it's not my thing. I'll do it with them. If you want to take it to the next level, uh, I've played this game with young kids and old kids, and it's fun universally. It's called King of Tokyo. Okay. And you you get to pick a monster like your Godzilla or you know a big dragon or a big lizard and and you're trying to take over Tokyo. It's so fun and uh, that's a competitive game. Uh, one for kids a little older is called Forbidden Desert and it's a game where you win by surviving. You're trapped in the desert and each one of you has this different specialty and you've got to figure out a way out of the desert. And so the whole team wins together or fails together. And okay. I'd never played a game like that till I got this. I think Jason Snell was the one who turned me on to this game, but uh, it's really fun to, you know, as a distraction to get it out and, and try and survive the desert. Okay. Any other big distractions in your life at this point? You know, I said this on uh, Connected recently because we did a, a similar thing. I think that all this is great, and I think it's fantastic to binge out on some, like, crazy Netflix show. But I think it's also an opportunity to like do the thing that you haven't done that you've wanted to do, right? So 
my wife and I painted the garage. Uh, you know, if you have that guitar, you haven't played in a long time, or you want to take up knitting and you have all the stuff and just never done it. Like, I think there's real opportunity in this time to find something to improve ourselves, not just to numb out. Again, there's nothing wrong with that. Everyone should do it. But I think it's also an opportunity to, to learn a skill or to improve something that you want to do. And, uh, I think that can be, can be good too. Yeah. It's funny for me because it's like, there's two different vantage points. Some people are home and with nothing to do. Mm -hmm. I am home with a ton of work. The, you know, the photos field guide is trucking along. I got podcasts and I got a bunch of clients dealing with a bunch of unique problems because of what we're going through. And we've got a, uh, a four month old puppy. So there, I, <laughs> I don't have a, an extreme amount of free time right now. Yeah, Let's yeah. just put it that way. <laughs> but the, uh, but if you do have the time, I think that's great. You know, figure out a passion project and work on that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm, I'm kind of the same way. My, my work hasn't changed that much, but, um, I know that's, that's definitely not true for everybody. Yeah. Well, I hope that the stuff we talked about today will help you work more efficiently from home, whether you're home for just a couple of weeks or months or maybe the duration. Maybe you want to start working from home permanently. Um, uh, there's going to be a, uh, a thread for this show at over at talk.macpowerusers.com. We've got a lot of really smart listeners. I'm sure there's going to be some great advice in there as well. So go check that out. Um, I want to thank our sponsors today, and that's our friends over at Boyle & Branch, Squarespace, Smile, and 1Password. And we'll see you all next week. <laughs>